1: we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I am Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. One final segment here. We're going to break down a few things about this upcoming matchup, pick some X factors, all that stuff. But the the first thing I did want to talk about, which I think is interesting, and I think is, you know, when you watch a game and you're like, man, how how does the quarterback only throw for 37 yards in the first three and a half quarters? And, you know, it's interesting because you look around the NFL and one thing that you'll see is a lot of shell defenses is a lot of, and and the funny thing is like, you see that you, you you know, you watch it on TV and you can't really see it because the safeties are out of the frame. But when you, when you go back and you watch the all 22, you're just like, well, why aren't there any deep shots in the NFL anymore? And it's because a lot of teams have adopted the philosophy of, we're just going to keep two safeties, hella deep. And we're going to say, good luck. Executing over the middle, 15 times a drive. Because eventually either you'll get frustrated and throw it into our safeties, or you will make a mistake. You'll give up a sack. You'll get behind the chains. There'll be a penalty. And then we win. And it's kind of crazy, but it's like, it's working. And you look around the NFL and it's not a good. A lot, of, a lot of good offense going around. Like, you know, like the saints, I'm not, I'm not saying this is an excuse for 37 yards, but I'm just saying like the saints aren't alone in that, in that there's just a lot of really kind of questionable offense because it goes in waves and like the offense now has to adjust and i don't know if a lot of teams have done that particularly well and i did think that, that derek's question and answers on these was interesting so let's hear him talking about like some of these like shell defenses and taking the ball
2: away does should he change that for you a little bit like can, can he outrun the coverage i guess or yeah he can and he has a yeah. couple times this year yeah um there was a, I can think of two posts that we hit uh, that were uh, quarters looks, you know, shell looks where you know when teams play us, a lot, some teams play low quarters, but when Rashid's out there, that safety's usually a little bit deeper. You know, he's more apt to let you have that, and there's been a couple times where Rasheed has outran that, so it does change some things. Uh, where you know maybe there is a single high safety trying to take that ball away, but if he gets too nosy with a guy like that, you can throw it over the head. You know, I remember that we had one. Uh, Henry Ruggs, just a guy with that speed. They were playing single high defense and we're playing in Pittsburgh. Single high safety didn't get deep enough and you can still throw that ball over over their head. So um, it's not something that ment- it, mentally you make a living doing. But when you have a guy like that, you have to train your mind again. Like, hey, if we get that look as a quarterback, I'm not just so quick to get through that.
1: How much of that is you know kind of a modern thing in the NFL where it seems more and more teams do that, but they're just like, okay, take away the default first things that to have to go 10 plus plays. Yeah. Has, has that
2: been just a change you've noticed throughout your career? Yes, and I, one one thing I've noticed is things go in cycles. Things go in waves, you know, because once that happens, you know, there's going to be an uptick in whatever, you know, call, call it whatever, tight ends across the middle, you know, and as soon as you want to take that away, okay, now those are back. And as soon as they do this, then this is back. The run game will be more than, or no, nope, the pass game's more. And so, um one thing i have noticed is things do go in ways because whatever's working people usually draft that way they go in free agency that way and then it goes for a cycle and they see something new and then they do that and so uh, that that is one of those things right you know it was easier to get you know shots off earlier in your in my career uh, about 10 you know eight years ago in certain ways now you you can do it you just have to be smart about it and do it in different ways and so uh finding those matchups, finding those one-on-ones uh it's it's a challenge mentally but the that's why these professional coaches man they keep evolving you know offensively and defensively they keep stopping one another it's really cool just you
1: be more patient i guess when you're going through you want to be deep not the right
2: read 100% you know and you know we every quarterback you know we're not going to make 100% right reads in every game you know we, it just doesn't happen you know but you know, you try your best to be patient through those times and try not to force it. You know, even last week was a great example. You know, they were doing some good things, staying on top. I mean, shoot, we threw, you know, uh, Chris a, a curl and the corner was 30 yards deep. You know, and so uh, we you, you wait and you wait and you wait. Then we get our chance and we hit our shot to 80. And so there is a a bit of a waiting game sometimes. Um, but other teams, you know, if, you know, they think you're going to run it, then you can get those things early. So it just it's so different every game. I wish I could just give you one answer, but it does change. Does
0: Derek cut the sleeves off of every gear he get, or does the equipment staff give it to him that
1: way? That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, I like, I've always wondered that question about like Vin Diesel. Um, like, do, does he buy shirts without sleeves, or it's like what happens to all the sleeves? Do the sleeves just get thrown away. Where do they go? Yeah, it's it's a good question. It's a question as old as time. Um, but no, I do think like when I, it, I think that's. Part of the frustration in terms of why isn't the offense as dynamic as you feel like it could be is teams are taking that away and saying you need to be able to run the ball. Like if you can run the ball, you can beat us. If you can execute over the middle of the field, you can beat us. And you know, it's funny because like you look at it and you say, Well, why aren't they these big plays? And then you look at it and you're like, well, except the Saints have you know have some of the biggest like in terms of big plays in terms of 40 plus yard plays they're second in the nfl right and it's just like they don't exist in the nfl anymore and because so many teams are taking them away Is Um, miami number one just curious always number one these days like that's yeah but but not by as much as you'd think okay um and then that's teams have kind of caught up to them a little bit because i think their offense has you know Uh, bogged down a little bit in the last couple of weeks. I just immediately think of Tyreek, obviously.
0: That's why I was like, they've got to be leading the big plays.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. And so that's why Rashid, and and that's kind of, this was a long way to get into (laughs) getting Rashid back, I think is a major element in what makes this offense go. And because not every team plays that way, but in a game against the Panthers where they have this scheme where it's like, no, you, you need an elite speed guy to get on top of that defense. You're not going to get on top with that you know just kind of these very good wide receivers who can you know it's like no you need to really force them to, to to adjust their scheme and and so I think getting him back this week and hopefully going forward should help open things up you know the Giants are a different type of defense obviously it's not it's not something you look at and you say well they're gonna sit in a shell no they're gonna blitz and they're gonna force you to get the ball out hot and so I don't even know if Rashid this week is going to be the biggest impact. But when you look at the games the Saints have struggled in, like the Panthers on offense, I think not having a speed guy was very limiting in that way. So you know, and, and again, I just I think it's it's funny because one of the reasons, like if you don't see it on TV, you don't see those two safeties just backpedaling right off the snap and getting getting distance, and then it's like, well, wh- what are you going to do? You're going to throw it to him? It's like, no, you got to go underneath. And it's like, I think people were like, well, why isn't he being more aggressive? And it's like, well, cause you don't want to throw interceptions. That's not better. So I don't know. I think the issues for the saints is not necessarily being aggressive over the top. It's not being as efficient as they need to be over the middle of the field. Yeah. The,
0: the huge thing for me, obviously with the, the, the initial injury report came out is seeing, you know, Rashid limited and Taysom being limited. And hopefully both of them are able to be in this offensive mix come Sunday because uh you know that, that that's huge but obviously the the big concern is Olave with dealing with an ankle and what we'll, we'll find out more obviously in the the coming days but uh, i just wonder about him and hopefully you know he's going to be good to go too to, to have those offensive pieces in place is going to be key to make this final push down the stretch
1: obviously too yeah i would be surprised if 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 chris and rashid don't go because i don't think you saw like olave He's dealing with an ankle injury, but it wasn't one that really seemed to affect him during the game. Like I didn't, I don't remember seeing at any point thinking like, "Oh, he's clearly slowed by something. He's limping or whatever." Like I talked to him coming off the field, he seemed fine. Obviously, he's dealing with the flu, but um, (laughs) at least you avoided that. I'd guess it's more of a maintenance thing uh, at this point in the season, but we'll see, right? Well, we'll see. And Rashid makes it sounded like there's no question in his mind that he's going to play, so that's good. Taysom is a little more up in the air. You know, and Rashid, you know, the thing with Rashid is when you're dealing with soft tissue sh- stuff and you are an elite speed guy, it becomes a little like that's, you know, if it was Mike Thomas, and that's probably a bad example, but I mean, like if it's, if it's Jawan Johnson, right, where your separation isn't your whole game, it's more about being a big body. And like, I think you could probably work through some stuff, but like if Rashid can't go at that top gear, then he's a different player. Um, so I think that's interesting, but. Switching sides of the ball, I did want to hear from Deuce McAllister, just kind of going through what he thinks is important on on the in terms of the Giants and how the Saints are playing the Giants, and uh, that's what he had to say.
0: Cannot let Saquon Barkley all of a sudden do what he's done in the past against us. Like if you look in the last meeting, at 126 yards of scrimmage, I was I still remember that game. I was so frustrated. We went in by 11 points with eight eight minutes, and we lost. Never. I go how in the hell that happened. Dude, you remember that game? I was like, are you yeah, kidding me? You
3: remember the, the go route that he had? And, you know, you never thought that they would throw it to yeah. him. He's just running the go route and he catches it. So, yeah, I remember it very, very well. And, you know, for me, Bobby, it starts with stopping the run. I mean, they, they've done a good job of managing Tommy and, and making sure that he's not in too many stressful situations. Now, the one thing he, he, he will do, that we've seen hurt the Saints is run. And you're going to see some RPO. You're going to see him be able to run QB Bash where he's just running it. He's going to pull it. He's going to read the defensive end. And if we're not in position, he's going to run it. And then he will run it as far as scrambling, but um, it starts really with Saquon. I mean, because if you can get them behind the chains where they have to pass the ball and they can't lean on that run game, then that, that that's not what they want to do. I mean, it, that that's really not what they want to do. They want to be able to play action, do a little bit of RPO, and try to keep the game simple as possible for him.
1: Yeah, and I agree with that completely. Right? Like, it, like rookies are only going to play well until you force them to play like a rookie. And the, the, when you're when you're leaning on a guy like that, every offensive decision will be geared around, OK, how can we make life easier on Tommy DeVito? And the Saints need to find ways to make life more difficult on Tommy DeVito and make him make tough decisions uh, down the field. The funny thing is you talk about that game in 2021 and it's like, yeah, it's the same Saquon Barkley, but it's like it's a different offense. You know, it, it, like that, that game, you know, was the Joe Judge offense. I could not even tell you. Mike Kafka maybe was the offensive coordinator um, for the Giants then. And it's funny because it's just a completely different scheme. Um, but, you know, they're wearing the same jerseys. And this is the same Saquon. So, yeah, I mean, he's a guy who can... He's probably the only player on that offense that keeps you up at night in terms of we have to find a way to stop this guy. And if you can stop this guy, then you give yourself a much better chance to have success. And and you know, obviously, Darren Waller's an option too. I would be surprised if he plays, but if he does, you will have to figure that out. Um, if this is a, you know, I feel like we say this every week. If you can stop the run, you you can you can have a good chance to win.
0: Well, like you say, uh, stop the run, have some fun, as Cam yeah. Jordan always tells us. Uh, the that game in the dome was so. Awkward, obviously. You know, you mentioned the last Giants appearance there, and just for the Saints to cough up that eleven-point lead in the fourth quarter—I thought, I did not think that would be the outcome there. And it was—that—that hurt a lot, and it was a huge uh, deal at the end of the season for not making the playoffs, obviously too. And we don't need a a repeat of that this time around because, yeah, we we know right now every everyone is a must-win. You want to call it, but I feel like uh, that's that's kind of. A cliche too, because everything in the NFL is is must win because it is not. There are limited games in this season. Just sure we got seventeen, but that's still uh, a limited amount compared to uh,
1: the other sports leagues. Yeah, and that was also the first game back in the dome post Ida. Right. So it was like there's all this kind of like positive energy in the stadium, and then they completely um, ended it. Yeah. I was a, like, you know, it's fun. You know, it's funny because everyone's mad at Dennis Allen, in terms of like, this is all bad since Dennis Allen took over. But like, a lot of it started in that 2021 season. But no one ever talks about that 2021 season, even though like a lot of things went badly. I think it's probably the Jameis injury that makes you kind of for, kind of forget about it in terms of a lot of the same issues that you're looking at in terms of ineffective offense and, and blown leads and this and that, you know, started that year. And it does feel like, you know, we're only in year two of Dennis Allen, but I feel like that, that season kind of gets lumped into it, even though he wasn't the head coach. Um, But like that, to me, that's the same storyline of like, you go back and like they, it's, it's all post breeze. It's not really the Dennis Allen era. It's, it's the post-Breeze era that has been very disappointing for the Saints. And you just have not found an answer at quarterback. And and I include Derek Carr in that, right? Like, he's just not – has not been the answer. This offense has continued to look just like it looked – you know, like it was – it looked fine with Jameis when, it, when they were starting out there, but it was a very limited offense. It looked bad with Trevor Simeon. It looked – It looked like an offense that could win games, not necessarily a good offense, but like you pared it down to basically nothing when you had Taysom in there and it was like, okay. you came back the next season and it just has not looked good since. Um, And I think that's like a big source of the frustration for me is like, guys, 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 figure something out, (laughs) figure something out.
0: The, the good uh, thing, I'm, I'm looking at the game last time, too, speaking about that Giants game. At least Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony aren't there because they toasted the Saints. And John Ross with 77 yards and a touchdown in that game, too. Uh, it's just ugly all around. Galladay? Galladay had six catches, 116 yards against
1: the Saints. Did he really? Yeah, and Tony another six. I remember Tony. I yeah. remember Tony. I mean, I, I didn't know Kenny Galladay had 100 yards in his entire Giants career. Against the Saints, yes. I mean, that must have been his best game. (laughs) Jeez. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, in 2022, he didn't have – he's not even playing anywhere right now. He didn't have a game with more than 30 yards. In 2021, yeah. Wow, you're right. Six catches, 116 yards in his entire Giants career otherwise. His 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 uh, high total receiving was sixty four yards against the say against the Falcons, and then he did it against the Broncos. That's crazy, man. Kenny Galladay, you know they paid him a shitload of money. They paid uh, Danny Jones a bunch of money too. <laughs> yeah, but at least at least Daniel had like he he led into the playoffs last year and like was improving. <laughs> like Kenny, they signed as a free agent, and literally did nothing except for apparently have one good game against the saints that's why he was signed for that game that's so funny i didn't even realize that you know that that probably doubled his like career total for yardage anyway he did have one really nice block in the playoff went over the over the vikings yeah that's what that's what the investment was for anyway okay let's see let's do x factors and then get out of here steve yes x factors on defense go
0: Defense, I'm looking at that D-line. I, uh, I think I constantly focus on line. that every every week for the Saints. And uh, kind of excited about Cam Jordan had a tackle for loss in three of his past four games against the Giants. So let's see that happen again. I need to see, um, obviously, pressure on the QB. Uh, stopping the run, though, is going to be crucial, too. So... A lot of it is on the D line once again, but I'm looking at you, Cam, to continue your your tackle for loss streak against this team in three of the past four games. Uh, let's dial it up for Cam Jordan on
1: defense this week. See, I'm looking at I'm looking at Zach Bond. I want to see them continue to dial up the Zach Bond third down pressure package because it's like I've been waiting. I've They've been waiting. They discovered something. Oh my goodness. No, they just finally started doing what was always the obvious thing. And that's what's annoying about it is like why it's like the Jimmy Graham thing and the Zach Bond thing. It was like, th- this is what we all knew these guys were good at. Thanks for finally doing it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's been a really positive development. And I wouldn't mind. You know, I, here's the thing. I said earlier this season multiple times, I think you need to start paring down Cam Jordan's third, third down snaps. I think he's a good early downs player. He's still a good run downs player, but in terms of the pass rush, you could be doing better and I think that's what you've seen the last 2 weeks on third and long. You Cam's been out there in terms of playing, but he's not out there on third downs. He's not that out there on the pass rush snaps. And I think they've been better because of that. Um and I just think that's where Cam is in his career. Like he can pay, he can rush the passer, but that is not where his best strengths lie right now. And you have better options on third and long. Not on third and four, but on third and eight, third and ten. Yeah. Give me a guy who can be athletic and chase somebody down. And that's what Zach Bond has been. And I think finding ways to continue to incorporate him in the pass rush is uh like I, I agree, it's the pass rush. You gotta do that. And I think if you had been using Zach more in that role earlier in the season, you would have had more success against guys were extending plays, the Joshua Dobbs types, right? And so I think that's gonna be I'd like to see him continue to get that because I think when you can like that's the third down efficiency thing in a nutshell. Like you gotta be able to get that guy down and it wasn't perfect last week, but it was definitely better. Um and you were putting pressure on the quarterback <laughs> um in ways that I don't think you saw a lot of earlier in the year. So
0: That's Although fun. like I said it was the Panthers and our boy Dez over, you know, covering the Panthers, even told us he's like, "Oh, the Saints are going to get four sacks, no problem." Yeah, and I was like, "Are you sure we're not re- we're not really getting there?"
1: He had a couple of predictions that were spot on, which was like Ooh. the Saints are going to get sacks because everyone gets sacks against the Panthers, and if you score 18 points you win the game. <laughs> <laughs> cuz the ding, second cuz that's the thing, like when they were at 14, it was like this could go badly. This might not work, but then the second they scored that next, that, that touchdown to get over 14, I think they, it was 21. It was like game over. It's done. <laughs> right? Like the only way the Panthers win that game is if they found a way to tie it at 14 and then maybe kick the field goal and won 17, 14. Right. Uh, he was spot on there. So I have to give him credit for that. Sure um, that yeah. And, and like I, one guy that we haven't talked about this week at all, but is definitely worth mentioning is Ike Adam. Like, that guy's that guy's gonna make some money next year, and he's not gonna be with the Saints. Like he's been so good, so good. Ten passes defensed on the season, right? You look at the lists he's on, and right. like uh, cornerback diff- coverage grades and passes defensed, and you know, like uh, completion rate when targeted. It's like yeah, third in the NFL. It's just been so good, and it's good to see. Like it's cool to see, right? This guy has been kind of like a journeyman. I think he's found a system that works for him, and he's going to go into free agency next year. And there's going to be a team out there that wants to play man-to-man cover corner, uh, and they he's going to make he's going to get a two-three year deal like a legit contract, and it's not going to be from the Saints. <laughs> um, and people are going to get annoyed about it, but at the end of the day, it's just well, like they are the building, right? Well, I mean, you're going to get a cop pick like that's you're going to he's going to turn into a draft pick. Right. So it's a win in the end for the Saints. But like, here's the thing. If you want to keep Ike Adam, are you going to like you're going to trade Marshawn? That I mean, that that
0: gets all into Len going into draft uh, 2024 draft, because then, you yeah, if there's going to be some wild package where this team wants to move up to get a quarterback. I think Alvin Marshawn are your, your big ticket names that could be
1: involved. And this is a different conversation for another day, but right, like exactly. Yeah, you, you could definitely sell me on the idea that your best path forward is sign Ike Adam, extend Paulson Adebo, and Pete Werner. Sure, trade Marshawn for whatever you're, you know, for for the assets that like you will get a lot for Marshawn. And it's like I don't want him to trade Marshawn, but like if you, that's how you keep Ike Adam. If like you're someone that's like I want to keep this guy around, it's because you did that. And that would be kind of a passive rebuild, and I think I think there would be some support behind the idea of doing that with you know a guy who's and, and it honestly it's like if that's your path and you're like kind of saying we're kind of passively rebuilding that would honestly be doing right by Marshawn in terms of like. He's a he's a guy who could win right now if he's on the, in the right team and the Saints aren't right anyway. That's that's again that's another conversation for yeah, another day. I mean,
0: obviously, any 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 team's gonna come calling for Marshawn. Uh, everyone
1: wants a top tier corner. Right, you know, man to man defenses want want that uh not everyone runs the same scheme like if you're a zone team you're not looking for march on like he's not a zone corner anyway that's again i don't know why we're still talking about this. i've said multiple times steve that's another conversation stop dragging me back in for another day i'm sorry for the off season that's the off season pod uh anyway <laughs> x factors on offense go uh, I'm
0: really looking at Kamara again in this matchup, just because of the fact that there's a lot of uncertainty right now at the other running back position. I, I really don't know who's uh, available other
1: than him. Yeah, Jamal Williams dealing with a groin injury. I think Jamal will be good to go. It doesn't seem significant. Um, but did he tweet? Did he tweet that groin dancing? People keep saying that. I don't know why people keep saying that. He was barely moving. He wasn't dancing. I don't like he was doing some splits or like. It's unfortunate. Line.
0: Obviously, we we hadn't seen a lot from him this season. It kind of had like a little boost, and then you know you get a little bit of good news, and eh, you get hit with some bad news with
1: it. Oh, I mean, it, it, everyone's dealing with something right now. Like that's the yeah. thing. Like landing on the injury report right now is yeah. a lot different from landing on the injury report in week three, because like every it's really just like. Okay, I need it. I need it. I need time to, you know, like. And if you're limited in practice, you and and it's due to something. You have to list it, you know. So, and like I like. What's really scary for this team too? After this, boom, Thursday night football. Yeah, but that's that's why I think it was helpful to get through that Panthers game without any major additions to the injury report, right? Like because the two games prior to that, the three games prior to that, even. You just kept seeing body after body after body in that injury tent. It didn't even go up once. Yeah, um,
0: you mentioned that right. So Alave didn't even need the uh, the tent last game.
1: he didn't go into the tent, although he did get treated on the field, but he didn't end up right. on the injury report. Right, right. Um. So yeah, but uh, yeah, I know there's a reason you brought in James Robinson. It's because you do have some guys. You know, obviously, Kendra's availability is frustratingly not available, right? And then and then Jamal is dealing with that groin, so. If it does keep him out or limits him in any way, you at least have a body who's played in an NFL game before, right? Uh, unless you want to go with Jordan Mims, which is not no shade on Jordan Mims, I wouldn't say he's a guy you is, is a top yield option, right? But you right, would so- never
0: see it coming.
1: <laughs> it wouldn't. That is true. Uh, I think he's just here to be to be like roommates with Jay Kaner. I think it's like. <laughs> Cause they were teammates at Fresno state though. That, that, right. that's, that's why, but all right. So you, you're going with the running backs. I think that's fair. Um, uh, again, like I think that one, two punch with Alvin and Jamal, it just hasn't been there, but it was last week and it was nice yeah. to see. I, I, I look at Rashid, I think again, like, like that's the way I started this segment off with Rashid is because yeah. I think he, he is the type of player that changes defenses. It forces, he forces defenses to play differently. And anytime you have a player that just being on the field forces a defense to adjust. That's a win for the offense, even if he's not being used, like even just as a clear out, like he can do that in ways that no one else can. I I also just like A.T. Perry. I like the idea of getting him involved downfield. I think one of the issues with A.T. Perry is it's already difficult to gain trust of the quarterback as a rookie, right? And when you're like, if the quarterback doesn't trust you, he's not throwing you the ball. He's not looking at you. And, you know, I, I think that's just been a process for AT. And it was a process that was impacted heavily by you. You you ran a play and the quarterback threw to a spot you were supposed to be in and you just didn't go there. And like, it's like, I that's, that's not helpful. <laughs> you know, like you got to trust that guy in the moment, you know, and I think that's building. And I thought that that deep ball in that game against the Panthers, I think was a very, you know, like he went and got that, It wasn't a bad throw, but it did require him to go run under it and get it. And he made that catch. You know, there was a play against the Vikings that he had a chance to make a play over the middle of the field. And, you know, he just wasn't secure enough with the ball. It got knocked out. You know, he probably didn't have to leave his feet. I just think those are moments where it's like the if you execute and you and you and, you know, like the quarterbacks trust you to make that play, then you're going to get that opportunity again. And so I want to see him continue to build on that. But either way, like, Rashid is just a dude, and I like him. He's a fun guy. I appreciate him. So definitely happy to have
0: that speed factor back because yeah, not having him was definitely pretty. Yeah, I think it was quite evident last game
1: against the Panthers. You didn't have any threat deep down the field. Yeah, and that's why like I, I asked Rashid about this because you know it's like Chris Olave is basically the only guy on that offense in terms of a pass catcher that the Panthers had to account for. You know, and that was the case against against the Lions too. Like, and he's still making plays. Like, their plan has to be we're going to take him away. And he's still right. able to get open and make plays. And it's like, it's like, that's just a, he's just a different type of, of dude. Like, when you're talking about a playmaker, a guy who can, who can make things happen. And so, when you do have weapons around him and he's playing well right now, like, that's what's frustrating is like, I, you know, I think earlier in the season, he was kind of finding his way and he was struggling a little bit. Now he's playing well, but he's the only option. And I'd love to see a situation where you do have other options, and and they're not able to devote all of their energy to to taking him away. Uh, he and fell I think into that
0: last year in his rookie season, and, and was able to power through. But yeah, you yeah. obviously want to see more of that
1: artillery around him to see what else is capable of. Yeah, and, and just having a guy like Rashid who can who can take the top off and yes. force his defenses to account <laughs> for him, and and can even he can even outrun those coverages that are designed to take him away. He's that type of player. Um, So that's my pick. But either way, you know, I I think a lot of this season is going to come down to this week because if you can win it and you can keep the positive vibes rolling and you can go out to L.A., that's it it feels like, okay, you got something here. If you can't, I think you're back to square one. And they're just going to hear all the negative stuff all over again. Uh, So I just think this team has a lot riding on this game and they got to go out and show up. And it's like, honestly, I don't even care how it looks. Go win a game. I'm tired of this, like... Beauty contest thing. Go win a game.
0: Yeah, I'll will t- take whatever. And we got to root for Carolina this week. They're hosting Atlanta,
1: and then uh what is it? The Bucks are at Green Bay. Yeah, um, I can see the Bucks losing. I'm not. I'm not spending an ounce of my time considering that the Panthers might find a way to go win that game. I'm sorry, I'm just not doing it. It's not worth. Not worth my energy. <laughs> They're that my, bad, my hopes are high just because this season has been wild. I,
0: I, one of the craziest NFL seasons I can remember, and I truly believe any week anything is
1: possible. Who did they
0: beat? <laughs> uh, the, the Texans,
1: they beat the Texans. <laughs> I bet after that week, everyone was like, Oh man, the Texans drafted the wrong quarterback. <laughs> anyway, but, all right. That's it. It's going to wrap it up for this episode of Inside Black and Gold. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, everyone, who got all the way to the end. It's been a journey. Um, I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow Steve at Steve Geller, W-W-L. We are getting ready for the third consecutive game in the Caesars Superdome. Weird. That and then, like I said, short turnaround. Boom, Thursday. You're in L.A., brother. Sure am. And you can check us out. Starting at eight AM on Sunday on First Take, the pregame show to the pregame show. I know everyone loves that. Uh, it's been a, it's been, a, it's been, a, it's been fun from the bowels of the dome when no one else is in there. I wouldn't say the bowels, kind of, it's the second floor, which so it's kind of like the intestines of the dome.
0: Yeah, it's almost like I feel like Phantom of the Opera kind of thing because there's just no one else around and the echo of us talking.
1: Yeah. It's just us and the people practicing for the Anthem and and, and whatnot. You know, whatever, whatever high school marching band is going to be there at halftime. Uh, that's it. Yeah. It's funny when I was, uh, I was actually, you know, when I was standing on the parking lot to come in, I had to wait because the Edna car marching band was like, had just gotten dropped off. And so I was just, there was only one exit to the parking lot that we're in. And it was like, I had to stand there for 10 minutes as the entire marching band like filed through. Yeah, this is a this is this is the this is how the bacon gets made or the sausage. Right, it's like uh, excuse me, pardon me, got to get through. I I, I kind of just stood there and waited because I was like I don't want to end like they got they got they got a whole snake thing going you know because they weren't just walking in a group they were walking in like two by twos because <laughs> that's just what marching bands do <laughs> they do it but all right it's uh Saints Giants on Sunday everyone keeps asking me who I'm ruined for it says I'm ruined for me to have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what I've rooting for. Uh, I can't like I, like I I don't root for, you know, I, I was actually annoyed when the Giants won. People say, like, wow, you're gonna be rooting for the Giants. It was like, well, you know, I did wonder in my 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 brain how that was gonna register when the Giants came here in 2021. And I will tell you that I was annoyed as hell that the Saints lost that game. Not even because I cared about the Giants or I cared about the Saints. It's really a pain in the ass when <laughs> The result seems finished, and you kind of get everything prepared as if it's done, and then all of a sudden, you had your lines written. Like that's annoying to me. I don't care that the Giants won, and and like a lot of times I'll watch the Giants and root for the Giants. I don't care that the Saints lost in terms of like, yeah, okay, that sucks, but whatever. Like, I care about me. I am I am a very selfish person when it comes to my uh, my lifestyle. And, and that annoyed me personally. So that's who I'm rooting for in this game. I'm rooting for me. I, I laugh too. Folks ask me a lot too when it comes to Eagle stuff
0: with the Saints. And to me, I, I am rooting for the Saints. You know why? The Saints play more games, get into the postseason. That means more money for me. So I'm, I'm all yeah. about that.
1: Yeah. And, and And also, like, it's more fun to cover a team that's winning. A little bit. And again, like I say this, like my, my work life and having a good time doing what I do for a living is more important to me than, than that, that, that team that I grew up watching. Is that bad? No, not at all. Because fandom's just different now that we're old men. Yeah. If I, if I didn't work in the, if I didn't work covering the team, I probably have a different answer for you. Like I would be more conflicted, but like, yeah, like this team going to the playoffs means I get to go cover a playoff game. So I'm always going to end up on that end. So don't worry. Don't worry. I'll be right there with you, annoyed, if the Saints lose. Jeff is cheering more than the fans booing. (laughs) Yeah, there are people in that stadium who are going to be rooting for the Giants, but it won't be me. Right. All right. (laughs) But let's uh, wrap this up. Thanks, everyone, again, for listening. This is Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, do that. If you're not following us on YouTube, why the hell not? Hey, ring the bell, WWL Sports. Follow us on Twitter at Saints underscore pod. Hit up WWL.com for the latest news, notes, and analysis. Who are that? Go Saints. They better be that. Yes, sir. Peace, yeah. y'all. Peace.